Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and again, that's what we're going to be talking about is the Kingdom of God. And uh, it's really important that we ponder this thing, the Kingdom of God and the righteousness of God, because so many people are under a strong delusion that uh, they are Christians, that they are actually following Christ, that they are doing great things in His names, you know, their altar calls and and converting people to Christianity, and they're becoming Christians, and uh, they're expressing their faith in Christ. But Christ warned that many would come in his name, but they actually don't even know him. And so I repeat this because Christ said it, and it's actually in several places. Even the apostles were talking about it. And uh, the apostles were warning us that we would begin... Uh, to do things contrary to the directives of Christ and that we would become entangled again in the yoke of bondage and the elements of the world. And uh, those who are used to listening to these elements of the world, that's the world is the constitutional orders and systems of government and we would become entangled in them again. We have a lot, a lot of people who talk about the American Revolution and the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence, which talk about breaking the bonds which have connected us with another. Those bond, bonds that connected us to Great Britain were insignificant compared to the bonds that connect us to the New World Order already, or whatever you want to call it. You know, if you say New World Order, a lot of people's brain just shuts off. And other people get all excited, but they don't know what they're talking about. Because the New World Order isn't that new, and it's not that orderly. It's pretty much chaos, and it's as old as the garden itself. Because in the garden, evil was uh, represented in, in the story by a serpent, uh, whatever that means. And uh, that serpent, we've talked about the Hebrew word that they translate into serpent, naked without power is really what it means. The one who is naked without power, without jurisdiction, seduced man to decide for himself what was good and evil. And when it said it was going to open his eyes, it actually closed his eyes. And we see this kind of phenomenon with a lot of people who take drugs. They think that... uh, the drugs give them, uh, you know, where they see the world more clearly because they took these drugs or smoked this marijuana or whatever. And actually what it does is it shuts off part of your vision so that you get a kind of tunnel vision, a focused vision, and you think you see more clearly, but you actually have put on blinders. And of course, you know what blinders are, that, that you put them on a horse that you're going to, you know, it's going to pull a wagon like in a team. And they put the blinders so the horse can't see what's to the left of them. He can't see what's to the right of them. And then you steer him by turning his head in a particular direction so he can only see forward. So he's only going to go forward because that's what he can see. And so by 
putting the blinders on him and focusing his attention in a particular direction and then putting a bit in his mouth, a hook in his mouth, as it says in Ezekiel, uh, you can keep him facing in the direction you want him to go and therefore he goes there because he cannot see to the left or the right of him. So you have stimulated the horse by circumstance to go in a particular direction. And that's what people have done with us and with the modern Christianity is they have given you blinders so that you cannot see the whole gospel, the whole truth. You know, and anything that is not the whole truth is not the truth. That's that's the nature of the truth and wholeness. That's the nature of a lie. A lie can have all kinds of truth in it, but they just leave out some of the facts, some of the truth. And without that small bit of truth that they have removed, now you can't see that truth. And so they can focus your attention in a particular direction and make you go in that direction. They stimulate you not so much by telling you where to go, but by not letting you see your options. That you cannot see to the left or the right. You can only see where they point you to look. And they dangle, you know, the old story where they dangle a carrot out in front of the horse or the mule. And the mule tries to get the carrot, so he takes a step forward. And then he takes another step and next step, another step. And the carrot keeps staying out of his reach, but he keeps moving forward towards the carrot. Pulling the wagon behind him. And, of course, that's pretty much what they've done with mankind is they've dangled the carrot of wealth before them and uh, they got men chasing that wealth. And that wealth is an illusion. It's not real wealth. It's actually it's actually poverty. It's actually destruction. It's actually, you know, you're chasing a system that makes you a surety for debt. And you have become entangled again in the yoke of bondage. So, and now in the news, just before the show began, I heard in the news they're producing hundreds of millions of doses of a new RNA, mRNA vaccine that has never gone through animal trials. So we don't know the long range effects of it. And they tell you that it's 95% effective. And I've added to our page at Preparing You on Side Effects so that you can see that 95% effective or the efficacy of the vaccine has nothing to do with whether or not you will be protected from coronavirus. There is absolutely out of Fauci's mouth himself, there, there is no guarantee that you will not get the virus. You're still going to have to wear the mask and social distance and, and strangle your neighbor's business with uh, this ridiculous lockdown because the vaccine is not going to guarantee that you will not get it. But isn't that what they've been saying for months and months and months that this is the new normal, the shutdown, this destruction of the economy, this lockdown of the people, this uh, abridgment of freedom? is going to be the new normal until we have a vaccine. And now immediately when they start delivering the vaccine, they say, of course, now you still have to continue with 
all the same things. And people will continue to uh, defend this because they have already accepted a lie. They have worn the mask, shamed their neighbor for not wearing the mask, and social distance, and lost their business, and allowed their neighbors to lose their business. And so they have an investment in the idea that lockdowns work and lockdowns don't work, especially in this case where, you know, children are, are not even hardly vulnerable to this disease. People say, oh, well, some child, children have died. You know, with the cowardness of locking down the entire world, which will cause millions upon millions of deaths and 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 devastation economically and struggles all over the world and depression all over the world because somebody might die. With that attitude, there would have never been a Normandy. There would have never been an American Revolution because somebody might die. You know, but people want peace and safety and are willing to give up their freedom, their neighbor's freedom, their neighbor's wealth, their neighbor's health to obtain this illusion of peace and safety. The reality is the the lockdowns, shutdowns, slowdowns do not make the flu go away. It's still going to be here. You're still going to have to develop immunity. And now they're coming out, and we, we quote a lot of the sources and articles that have quote the sources that the vaccine is not going to guarantee any immunity. It's not 95% effective to give you immunity. It's 95 percent effective to give you some sort of symptoms to have some sort of reaction in your body and they don't know if it will cause infertility they admit that it's right on the packaging that it might cause infertility this promoted by Bill Gates who wants to lower the population by hundreds of percent what what are you crazy well evidently we are crazy Why? Because we have blinders and our view has been narrowed and narrowed and narrowed. And so how do we broaden our view to see the whole truth and to provide for it? Well, Christ, of course, came and told us the answer. He said, I am the truth. So people say, well, I believe in Jesus because he's the truth, so therefore I believe in the truth. Well, you believe in a Jesus, a truth, but I don't know if you believe in the truth. The whole truth and nothing but the truth. And if you don't, so help me God. So help you God. Because you're going to need a lot of help. Because you're going to be in a lot of trouble. So the other big thing in the news is the stimulus package, which they want to give you, uh, you know, $600, according to what the Democrats eventually, uh, originally came up with. And now supposedly they're trying to go to 200 Dollars, and they're trying to get the president to sign this. Should he sign this? Should you desire, uh, not 200, but 2,000 dollars? Should you sign this? Uh, should he sign this? Should you apply for 2,000 dollars, 600 dollars, 60 dollars, 60,000 dollars? I mean, like, where does it end? Where did it begin? So anyway, I've been working on an article. I've had to do it out on the desert, on my phone a lot of times, editing on my phone, very small screen, <laughs> very limited resources. But uh, I kind of put it together and read it. Uh, well, actually, I didn't get to even read it all the way through, but I added to it this morning. Uh, 
around three or four o'clock, and uh, then I came in to do the show. But I've kind of uh, put it together, and you can find it at Preparing You under Stimulus. You can look up the word stimulus in the, the search engine, and you can go to the uh, website. Uh, I wanted to get it to the ministers. I wanted to put it out even on Christmas Eve, but uh, I still don't know whether or not the president's going to sign this. It really is irrelevant if you're seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But it is an interesting drama that is playing out before us. Because a lot of people are very upset that that isn't already in in the works, that we aren't already getting this money, and some are upset that the, that you know what it amounts to is that if they took all the money that they're spending on this bill for relief for COVID, and they divided it by the number of people in the country, it would be six or seven thousand dollars per individual in the country, per man, woman, and child in the country. But now it's going to be $600 for, you know, a single breadwinner in a, in a whole family. Or, you know, possibly two. You know, so $1,200. But some people are saying it should be $2,000 and 4000 for any couple. I'm saying it should be zero. I, I'm saying that we should go another way. And we should not desire the stimulus. And why do I say that? Because that's the way Jesus wants it. That's the way Jesus would want it. And that's the way Jesus said we should do it. And he said it very clearly. And it's right in the text. It's not difficult to find. It's not a bad translation. But people are completely unaware of it. And to actually seek that benefit is to abandon Christ in the ways of Christ. And therefore, you cannot be a Christian and desire such benefits. Now, I'm not saying whether you should take it or cash a check or whatever. I'm just telling you what Jesus said. I have to preach Christ first. And then you have to work it out with Christ what you can do and can't do. What you can afford to do and can't, can not afford to do. So anyway, on the page, the first, uh, First thing I talk about is the stimulus from hell, or stimulus to hell, is actually what I say. Because somebody, somebody's trying to stimulate you and point you in a particular direction and get your heart and mind to go in a particular direction. So let's take a look at the word stimulus to begin with. It, it's defined as, at least as a noun, something causing or regarded as causing a response. The bit causes the horse to go forward, but not the bit alone, also the blinders on the side. So he cannot see any other option. And, of course, then there's the whip that will chastise you to move forward. And maybe there's a carrot out there (laughs) that he's hanging over the horse to get the horse to go that way. And then he gets another horse next to you doing the same thing. And so you have a tendency to want to stay with the horse that's next to you. You can feel that horse. You can hear that horse next to you. So you want to stay together with him because there's strength in that working together. And then he does this over and over again and you become a creature of habit. But so there's lots of things that are stimulating the horse to go down a particular path. 
but it, they're causing a response either by showing you something or not showing you something or poking you or stimulating you to get you go in a particular direction. Also, as a noun, it's defined as an agent, action, or condition that elicits or accelerates a psychological or physiological or physiological or psychological activity or response. So, that's what a stimulus is. So, where, where are they stimulating you to? What, are they, uh, what stimulates them to make this decision as to whether or not you should have the coronavirus stimulus bill? You know, are they stimulating the coronavirus or are they stimulating the economy because of the coronavirus? Or are they, do they feel a need to stimulate the economy uh, because of the shutdown? Because the coronavirus didn't shut down anything. Somebody decided to shut down and they had decided to shut down because they were stimulated to decide that, to shut down. And one of the stimulus to this was what was coming at you in the news media. Predicting millions upon millions of people dead from the coronavirus plague, which was not true. Which was devised by, devised by Ferguson. And uh, another university, both of which were funded by Bill Gates. And both of their figures were completely off and they had to roll them way back because this virus is not that lethal. It's not very lethal at all. But then they stimulated people to report everybody who died with flu symptoms as dying of COVID. And they stimulated you to think that a PCR test actually determines whether you had COVID or not. Because it gives a positive result. But it's not positive that you have COVID. It's positive that there was a result from the test. They don't know whether it was COVID. And it says on the packaging, they don't know whether it was COVID. It could have been bacteria. It could have been excessive bruising. It could have been... uh you know, some other flu virus that caused a positive result. That there is RNA debris in your body because something's going on in your body. But they don't know if it's COVID. But everybody thinks that's the case, or they used to. Some are willing to say, oh my gosh, it does say right here on the package. That it doesn't tell you. It's not virus specific. But some people, then they will result to... Uh, you know, that, oh, you're just a conspiracy nut. Of course our doctors are telling us the truth. The doctors haven't even read the packaging. Many of them. It's mass hysteria is what it is. And somebody was pointing out to me last night that they were saying that when you get to the point where you're showing people the actual facts and truth about anything, and they were talking about uh, uh, quantum physics at the time, and you were showing them that this all comes down to the fact that scientists, it's not settled. And there's something else going on, which is why life is as abundant as it is on this planet. Something else is stimulating life on this planet. A God, you can call him, the God of life, is stimulating life on this planet. And once you begin to prove that with real science, 
they will get an angry look in their face and they will hate you and they will despise you and they will want to destroy you. And that because of the cognitive dissonance that we've been talking about is that they will absolutely deny the facts and avoid the facts. And they will emotionalize the conversation. They will go off into troll land to begin to defame and use all sorts of fallacies and straw men and and ad hominems to knock you down, to humiliate you, to to denounce you, and eventually even to kill you. Because that is the nature of the spirit of the lie. That was is what comes from living in darkness. How did you get in such darkness? Well, it's been a long time coming. It's not something that just happened. And so you have to go back to the beginning, back to where this began to go wrong. And this will take you back farther and farther in history. And you have been replicating the errors of your ancestors in your own life. But being willing to see those errors will allow you to turn around because it will allow your thinking to be altered. And you will be able to See the truth. See, when you first walk out into light, it hurts your eyes. And so people shun the light. They avoid the light. They don't want to go out into the light. They hide from it. But if you're willing to see, squinting into the light of day, you will begin to see a lot more things more clearly. Not just what you denied, but things that you didn't even know you were missing because we're taking the scales off, the blinders off. Now, this whole thing at Christmas and pressing this, they've known about this for a long time. It's kind of like the Dominion machines. They've known for years and years and years. I've seen testimony years and years ago that the Dominion machines were dangerous. Of course, the CEO of the company is saying... There is no problem with the Dominion machines and we're going to sue these people for defamation of character by saying that there is because there absolutely isn't. Well, let's see them get into court where there's discovery and they have to start revealing all this stuff because you can buy a Dominion machine right off the lot. You, I mean, they're, they're for sale here and there all over the country and you can take it, open them up and and people have done that, and they say, well, wait a minute, this is not so secure. This can be tampered with. But get it into a court. Get it into where two sides can advocate their position and bring out the facts with discovery. But there seems to be almost a delay, just as there was a hesitation for the last four years and the last eight years about Dominion machines. It's it's obvious that common sense would tell you that, yeah, you need voter ID. Oh, but that's racist. No, it's not racist. If if that's racist, having to have a driver's license is racist. Nobody's saying that's racist because that's ID. <laughs> you know, uh, the the reality is is that they're they're not, when you get close to the truth, when you start shedding the light on it, they will begin to squint and look angry and want to destroy you. But we're going to go through this step by step and see what... We're going to go all the way back to Malachi. 
and the prophets to find out what's really going on today. So welcome back to Keys to the Kingdom. If you go back to Ecclesiastes and uh, and uh, read in chapter 11, verse 8, it says, But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. All the darkness that cometh is coming to us through vanity, through pride, through not being willing to see the light. Because to see the light is to see ourselves as we really are. To find out, are we true to the meaning of life? And hopefully we'll tie all this together before we're done. But that's that's the problem, is that we're not willing to see the whole truth and provide for it. And so we need to want to see the whole truth and provide for it. And so, yeah, the stimulus deal is all going over the Christmas holidays and the New Year's holidays. And, you know, should they do this and should they do that? And they've had it for a long time. I mean, it, and you've heard in the regular news, supposedly, that... Uh, there's billions and billions and billions of dollars worth of aid to all kinds of different countries and absurd aid. And meanwhile, it's supposedly in America, the richest nation in the world, uh, there's a lot of serious problems uh, and a lot of loss of wealth. And supposedly $600 is going to fix that for the people who, you know, instead of the $6,000, if you divided up the money they're spending, that everybody would get, you know, if we had a family of uh, 10 people, say, that would be $60,000. Well, that would be pretty good. But you don't want it anyway, and we're going to get into that. But the reality is, is that, yeah, why are you giving all these other things to other people all over the country, you know, for gender studies in Pakistan and all the other nonsense that they have there? Why why, why is that in a coronavirus stimulus bill? You can't put that by itself and vote on those issues. You should, a bill should not be 5,000 pages. That's, that's a relatively new thing that's come about. You know, a bill should be a page. You vote on that page, now we get another bill. Okay, you want to vote on this page? Okay, so you vote 5,000 times, not one time on 5,000 pages. That's absurd. That's ridiculous. You can't do that. You're not, that, that, it is blinding you to good government. Because you can't make a choice. But the, the, what they're doing is wheeling and dealing with these powers that be behind the scenes. And you're going to be footing the bill for it. For one thing, we talk about this. Should we desire the $600 or, or much less the $2,000 stimulus check that the government proposed Corona stimulus bill is offering? Do you understand that the money is not from the government? Nor are the leaders the source of these funds. They're not, they're not giving you any money out of their pocket. They're giving you money out of your neighbor's pocket. And not just your neighbor's pocket because they don't have that money. 
There is, there is no money in the treasury to give everybody $600 or $2,000 or whatever. That, or to, you know, pay for gender studies in Pakistan. We don't have the money to do it. It, it doesn't exist. It's not in the bank. They're borrowing the money to do that with. And they're borrowing it from the future of your children. So by desiring that 2000 people say, well, wait a minute, I paid in. I've been paying in. I've been paying my taxes. I should be able to get some of it back. Well, I'd be glad to have you get it back, except it isn't there. It's been spent already. Most of it's been spent on interest of the money that you borrowed previously. What is it, about 80% of the tax dollar that you pay in goes to interest on loans that you took out already that are catching up on you. And now we're going to expand that so that interest is almost 100% of the tax liability. It's just interest. It's not actually paying anything off. It's not paying anything back. It's just interest. And then you're going to be the ultimate tax with that is going to be runaway inflation. But that's, I'm just looking at a little bit of the problem. I'm not looking at all of the problem, just a little bit of the problem so you realize that there is a problem. You're borrowing against the future of your children, enslaving them, cursing them forever, literally in economic bondage from the day they're born. They will be owing, what, what is it? Eighty-some thousand dollars per person in the United States today. And you want to increase that debt? I, th- I think the number I had at $27.5 trillion in debt comes out to about $83,260 for every man, woman, and child. And they're going to give you 600 bucks and up that? I mean, if it goes up to... 30 trillion, which, you know, another 3 trillion would be 30 trillion dollars in debt. How much does that put you? I mean, that's almost a hundred thousand dollars per every man, woman, and child. So if you have 10 kids in your family, your, your family's gonna owe another million dollars. Or whatever it is. Let's see. What would that be? A hundred thousand dollars times 10. <laughs> That's getting to be some serious change. This kind of thing really got going with FDR. Of course, if, if we can take it back to another event on uh, on Christmas Eve, where there was a a signing of a bill on Christmas Eve, and that was the Federal Reserve Act in 1913. That was signed on December 24th by Woodrow Wilson. And we're still paying for that and going to keep paying for that for a long time, U.S. citizens. And the thing is, this is in all countries. I'm talking about the United States, but it's everywhere. What people have done is they have given away their peace and safety in order to obtain this uh, illusion of wealth. Because you aren't the richest country in the world. You're in debt. You can't be rich and in debt. You can live like you're rich, but you're in debt. You owe money. You you don't have the money in the bank. 
even the money you think you have now in the bank, that isn't real money, that's just notes. But anyway, we don't want to get off on that tangent, but the reality is there are strange things afoot here, and you need to understand what's really going on. And we could start talking about bankers, which I mentioned in the article, and blame everything on the Federal Reserve, which is the banker's bank. But it really isn't the fault of the Federal Reserve. I mean, they should certainly should have their portion of the blame. But blame isn't like pie. You don't get to divide it up. Or you get 25% of the blame goes to the Federal Reserve, or 50% goes to the Federal Reserve, and then a certain amount goes to politicians, and a certain amount may even go to you. Now, everybody's 100% responsible for whatever they did that was wrong. Whatever they were greedy about. They're 100% responsible for that. So the other night I added a number of different quotes to this page. So to give you a kind of an idea of some of the principles. Because I thought some of these quotes were uh, pretty significant. And uh, one of them in particular is from uh, uh, Victor Frankel. Uh, who's the founder. Uh, he was actually... Uh, Jewish and arrested in Germany. Actually, him and his wife were... His wife was forced to have an abortion and he was arrested and put in a concentration camp and he had his family. Some of his family members died in the concentration camp. His wife died. But he was a writer and psychologist and he created a theory, what he calls uh, logotherapy, which literally means healing through meaning. And, you know, there's a lot of psychologists uh, that, you know, like Alfred Adler, who's kind of a Nietzschean philosopher uh, and had a a doctrine of it was uh, not our quest for meaning that was driving us, moving the horse, so to speak, but our desire for power. And, of course, Freud reduces this down to a desire for pleasure but uh, Frankel says no it's actually about meaning and to some degree that really trumps both of their ideas of desire for power and desire for pleasure because pleasure is really very finite it's very shallow motivator now obviously we are motivated out of pleasure a great deal I'm not it doesn't dismiss either the desire for power, because power, if you have enough power and money, you can buy pleasure. <laughs> so, yeah, so so is is your desire for power really about pleasure or is it just about power? Well, it's, it's really kind of overlapping. It just depends on the moment. But some people get, uh, you know, the vain individual gets satisfaction of having power over others. He, does, he can actually lose the battle with a smile, like Claggett in the, the story of Billy Budd. He dies, but he enjoys the dying because he has exercised power over the actions of Billy. He had manipulated Billy. He had forced him. He had stimulated him into a course of action. Even though it cost him his life, he won. So, in his case, yeah, it was about power. 
But you could say that it wasn't really about power either because he lost all power because he died. So it really was about meaning because he, his sense of meaning was that he had power over others. Claggett was the, you know, like Boson's mate, first mate, the guy who bossed everybody around. It was always about power over others because power over others gave him pleasure. So, you know, Adler, Freud... And uh, Frankel, they're all right. They're all correct. It's it's all true, but it, it just depends on how closely you look at their description. Logotherapy or Freudism or Nietzscheism. Uh, it's all about your perspective in a particular moment in time and from a particular angle. So, they're... But he's saying, but between stimulus and response, there is a space. In that space is our power to choose. Our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. If somebody pokes at you and you get angry, they have, you say, they have made me angry. They have made me sad. Was there a space in time where you had the choice as to whether to become angry, to become sad? If it's already become a habit with you to react with sadness or anger or, or, uh, joy, then those are the reactions that you're liable to produce. But somewhere you had that space in which you could make that choice to make that reaction a habit, like the horse with the blinders. And he, you know, at first you have to give him a little snap with a whip, or maybe you just crack it over his head a little bit and he hears that crack. But just before you make that crack, you jiggle the reins like giddy up, and you make a clicking noise. Let's go. Get them up. Help them out. They hear that. They get going. My dad, when he did a cavalry charge, yeah, I'm that old, on horseback. <laughs> and he used to say, they would say, you know, you're ready, set, uh, charge. Uh, the The word set and charge had to come real close to each other. Because that meant you lean forward with that forty-five pistol in your hand and that horse saw that pistol creeping up on him because he doesn't have blinders. He's, you know, the guy's riding him. They don't put blinders on him when he's riding him. But when he sees that forty-five creeping up on his ear, he's gone. So when you say set, the next word needs to be charged because half the horses are leaving the cage. Because <laughs> they're creatures of habit. Well, you're a creature of habit. So people can say things that stimulate a reaction or do things that stimulate a reaction. And if they have a cue just before they, you know, whip or punch, and eventually they can just give you the cue and they don't even have to punch. They don't even have to hit you. They don't have to use the whip. They know that the, that that's going to issue a response. The, the cue. 
And that's what they've done is they've created lots of cues in your life. Not the cue, but <laughs> cues where they're cueing you to formulate a particular response. And, and you do just that. So, uh, another guy said, we are products of neither nature nor nurture. Well, that's that's true or not true. It depends on what he's talking about. But he's talking about us being the product of neither nature or nurture. We are produced of choice. Because there is always a space between stimulus and response. He's saying the same thing. As we wisely exercise our power to choose based on principles, the space will become larger. As Stephen Covey said this. So, what's he talking about? This space, this moment, this it's it's not even really a space. It's almost on a quantum level. I mean, like when I'm I'm talking or you know talking out loud about what I'm thinking, I begin sentences I have not yet seen the end of, but I'm going somewhere with it. My brain, before it becomes words, has already answered, analyzed, answered, and contrived a response. And I hear the response coming out of my mouth for the first time. It's not a rehearsed speech. It was already in me and now it is expressed. We have a tendency to think that those words that we're thinking is our thinking. Our thinking took place before those words were formulated in our mind. And so what is... And in that place is where choice takes place. It's in this finite space that is almost in a spiritual place. Because it's not a place. But they call it a space. So anyway, uh, if we realize that... uh, the $2,000 or $600 is not coming out of the pockets of government. It's not coming from the government. It's coming from our neighbor. And our, our, the government is going to force our neighbor to contribute those funds. Since they're borrowing those funds, they're going to be forcing our neighbor and our neighbor's children for decades and generations to come to pay back what you desire today. Henry Hazlitt, Economics in One Lesson, The Shortest and Surest Way to Understand Basic Economics, says, For every dollar that is spent in the boondoggle bridge, a dollar will be taken away from the taxpayer. If the bridge costs a million dollars, the taxpayers will lose a million dollars. They will have that much taken away from them which they would otherwise have spent on things they needed most. But since we're talking trillions of dollars, you're not going to be paying it back. Your children are. So you might get a stimulus check. I thought maybe when I originally wrote this, you might get it by Christmas or get it coming by Christmas. And that might give you a Merry Christmas, you would think. But there's a day of reckoning. 
and you may not have as happy a new year as you would have liked. Because they're not taking it out of money you've already paid in. That money is gone. They're taking it from the future. Because they're borrowing it against the future. And since you're only going to be around for a little bit, and it's a lot of debt, then your your children are going to have to pay and your neighbor's children. So you're not only taking a bite out of your neighbor, you're taking a bite out of your neighbor's children. And children yet unborn who will be born into a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt when they before they even suck at their mother's breasts. So do we blame all this on banking? Because it certainly started this this debt clock really started going uh, with the institution of the Federal Reserve. And I have a quote that I always like, which was Sir Josiah Stamp, who was the president of the Bank of England back in the 1920s and, and considered one of the richest men, second richest men, some people say, at that particular time. He said, Banking was conceived in iniquity and was born in sin. The bankers own the earth. Take it away from them, but leave them the power to create deposits. You know, invent money out of thin air. And with a flick of the pen, they will create enough deposits to buy it back again. However, take it away from them, and all the great fortunes like mine will disappear. And they ought to disappear, for this would be a happier and better world to live in. But if you wish to remain the slaves of bankers and pay the cost of your own slavery, let them continue to create deposits. Now, he was telling you this a hundred years ago. And people still haven't figured it out. Now, so do I want to do away with the Federal Reserve? Do I want to do away with banking? No. Because I believe that Federal Reserve and banking and all these things, even government itself, have come about because we have made choices in that space of time that set us on a road in a direction not cast up. The Bible says not cast up. It's not going to bring us up. It's going to bring us down. So understanding, if you really want to understand the problem, you go got to go back to the beginning of the problem to understand it. And so I say, if if we humbly take the time to understand that the stimulus money you may get is not from the government, but your neighbor and their children, then we should all be able to grasp that these gifts, gratuities, and benefits are never bestowed by government of authority without a price and a consequence. And, of course, that consequence is the loss of liberty, which has always included that loss of liberty. And, you know, if you have to be paying back the debt of your parents and your grandparents, you're not at liberty. Desiring these benefits provided by way of the rule of force rather than charity alters society by altering the mind and soul of the individual. In order to be cured of this degeneration of the mind of society, we must be humble enough to think differently. In order to think differently, we have to think, we have to realize, we have to accept 
that the way we've been thinking isn't a good idea. And so once you are willing to admit that what you were thinking before was not entirely true, this opens a door for a renewing of your mind. Remember that the word mind and soul are often interchanged in uh, translations of the Bible. So there were warnings, and I have links there that will take you to the warnings that were laid down by God. You know, what he calls good and acceptable and perfect will of God was to not covet your neighbor's goods through rulers who exercise authority. Christ repeated this, said it three times, that you were not to be that way, the way the other governments of the world are. If you are going to really preach the way of Christ, you have to preach the way of charity, not the way of force. You can't be, you can't be a real Christian and seek men who exercise authority to force them to take away from your neighbor, to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, and certainly not your unborn children of your neighbors are going to have to pay back the money you want today. You know, for centuries, men have tried to leave their children more than they had. It's just some sort of drive that we have. That, you know, what, that we have this dress it and keep it idea of the family fortune and we want it to go on to our children. We sacrifice our life for our children. We save and we scrimp so that our children will have something extra. We want want to give. That's in the nature of a righteous man. But what are we handing our children today but debt and bondage, the bondage of debt, as surety for debt? Our flesh shrinks from what is it dreads and responds to the stimulus of what it desires by a purely reflex action of the nervous system. Our eyelids close before we are aware of the fly is about to enter our eye. So we have this automatic aversion away from that which will we think will do us harm. And so that's part of that cracking of the whip to drive the horse forward. And we'll talk more about this when we come back to Keys to the Kingdom. So, welcome back to Keys to the Kingdom. In Luke 1, uh, verse 79, it says, To give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. Now, that, that, is a, that is a mouthful. That is a lot of stuff going on there. The shadow of death. See, every time you deny the truth about something, you create a shadow in your heart. And that, in that shadow, death lurks for you. It, it desires to manipulate and control you, to motivate you, to give you ideas, to move you in a direction. Because it wants you destroyed. This is the nature of, you know, like we've said, you know, the shooter goes out and he shoots and he stabs and he kills and all of a sudden he's cornered and he kills himself. Because he is in the shadow of darkness, in the shadow of death, and he is bringing death and destruction. 
and such men can rise to power and have their fingers upon buttons of destruction and bring destruction upon the whole world because of this simple process. But if you go the other way, the way of righteousness, then you have the power of righteousness protecting you. That's part of the armor of God. And tempting you with the carrot of a $600, $2,000 stimulus check. Now that you know that it is based on taking away from your neighbor, taking a bite out of your neighbor, coveting your neighbor's goods through the exercising authority of the government, something Christ forbid us to do, then you should repent, think differently now, and want to go the other way. Well, the other way is simply not taking, it is not just not taking the $600 or the $2,000. It's by creating the alternative of choice. If you want choice in your life, you need to create choice in the lives of others. You have to grant them the power of choice for you to have the power of choice. See, by desiring desiring to take away the power of choice and forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, as you judge, so shall ye be judged. The power of choice will be taken away from you because you chose to take it away from others. If you choose to live in darkness, in darkness you shall live. But in darkness, you may also die, because without the light, there is no life. So, remember that. As you judge, so shall ye be judged. So, if you judge it is okay to force your neighbor to pay for your child's education, or pay for your own education then it's okay that your neighbor forces you to pay for what he wants. You've you've created the realm in which you live. You can recreate it by thinking differently and acting differently according to your new thoughts and your new understanding. So this is this is where we have to go to turn around the world is we have to go into ourselves and see the truth about ourselves. So I I pulled up Malachi. And, uh, you know, Malachi is, you know, one of the minor prophets again. And he says in Second Malachi, or Malachi chapter 2, And now, O ye priests, this commandment is for you. So he's talking about the priests, not talking about the people. But in a way, you could apply it to the people because we are to be a priest to all nations. So we are all priests in our own household. But he's specifically talking to the Levites who were the priests of a nation. You're you're all kings and priests in your own household. But there's a priest of the nation. And in order for that nation to be free, those priests must operate by giving you the right to choose whether or not you want to contribute to that priest. Now, a priest, what does a priest do? He takes care of the needy of your society. He redistributes the wealth of your society 
according to the wisest actions he can perceive. You know, if he sees there's a need in this community and this community has extra, he implores this community, prays to this community, can you give me the resources to help this community because this community needs help or this individual or this family. He can He can pray that you help him provide for these others. But he also is giving you the choice as to whether or not you want to contribute to what he thinks is a valued pursuit. We need to help this family out. And if you agree, then you can give him a certain portion of your wealth, you know, $100, $1,000, $2,000, and he will take it to those who need it. I know people in this community, 90 years old, live poorly. But they were not affected by COVID. They didn't go out as much. They were a little afraid. They watched the news. But they didn't lose their job. You know, life did, they didn't run out of toilet paper. <laughs> I mean, they, their life went on the same. Should they get $2,000? You can sit back and say, oh yeah, let's give them $2,000 too. Whose money are you giving them? Did you check with your children and grandchildren as to whether they wanted to give them? No, you're just going to heap that debt on them. You're so generous with other people's money. But the re- and other people's money is just a way of which to measure energy. It, your the money you produce with your labor is the life and sweat and blood of your being that you expended you spent to obtain this money that supposedly has value if somebody takes that away aren't you taking away the blood of your neighbor aren't you taking a bite out of your neighbor and you say well no well that's our government that's how we do it well that's not Jesus' way of doing things matter of fact he said it wasn't to be that way with us that's what made Christians so unique it doesn't make Christians unique anymore because they don't do what Jesus says they are doing something completely different So back to Malachi. He says, If ye will not hear, and if ye will not lay it to heart, to give glory unto my name, said the Lord of hosts, I will even send a curse upon you, and I will curse your blessings. Yea, I have cursed them already, because ye do not lay it to your heart. Is the $2,000 stimulus check a blessing? If it is a blessing, is it also a curse? It incurs debt. It incurs debt upon your children. So, because you desire the sweat and blood of your neighbor, which is the essence of a covetous practice. So, yeah, through the... Your covetous practice of desiring benefits at the expense of others and the children of others, your children are also cursed. Because you you said it was okay to curse your neighbor's children with this debt. So is it not also okay to curse your children with debt? 
somebody was, uh, Mark Stevens has an approach and, uh, I was trying to think of some of the other people. And we wrote about Mark Stevens. And I have nothing against the guy as an individual, but somebody was debating and I was doing a little bit of research and looking up stuff and one of the pages was this Damon discussing things, uh, with Mark Stevens. It was a poster board of cognitive dissonance discussion. And it was on Mark Stevens' website. And I was starting to read it, but it was just too long. I had too many other things to do. And so I had to go out and pursue those other things. But uh, the reality was is that uh, they say, well, where's the contract? Well, were you educated in public school? Did somebody else take care of your parents? Or did you honor your parents? Did you say, oh, I don't have to take care of my parents. They're getting Social Security. I don't have to do... I I can do no more art for my parents. You see, that's the contract. You, you, as you judge, so shall ye be judged. If it's okay to take away from your neighbor to get you free education, take care of your parents, Medicare, Medicaid, all these things. If that's okay with you, then it's okay that they take away from you to get what they want. You say, well, it's not okay with me. I don't want them to do that. And it says, okay, what do you want to do in its place? Because nature abhors a vacuum. If you will not sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands as Christ commanded and create a daily ministration operating by faith, hope, and charity, then one operating by force, fear, and fealty will take its place. Because there is a need in the universe for you Loving your neighbor, helping your neighbor, caring about your neighbor as much as you care about yourself. If you just want to be free and help nobody else be free, then don't expect anybody else to come and help you out when the world comes to take away your freedom. You want your power of choice back. You have to give your neighbor a power of choice. And right now, if you fall on hard times and you need help, there is nobody to help you but the government. Malachi goes on to say in verse 3, Behold, I will corrupt your seed and spread dung upon your face, even the dung of your solemn feasts. And one shall take you away with it. So he makes what you do do kind of stinky. You say, well, we have a charitable program in our church. We have a collection for widows and orphans. We go around and once a week we give food to widows and orphans. Great. But don't tell me you've presented the opportunity of choice between the administration of governments who exercise authority and the administration of governments that exercise love just because you help somebody out one day a week. 90% of everything they get comes from men who exercise authority. And without those men who exercise authority, they would starve. Because you aren't really creating the alternative of choice. There is, they either starve or they go to the governments who exercise authority because you don't have a system in place like Christ commanded. So behold, you are corrupt 
and your seed is corrupt, and your minds are corrupt, because you think that's okay to engage in covetous practices to take care of the needy of society. Now remember who he's talking to. O ye priests. So it goes on in verse 4. And ye shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. The Levites. It wasn't really the tribe of Levi, but the, you know when Moses called the men out, that was the ecclesia in the wilderness, the calling out in the wilderness. Most of the men who came out to stand with the Lord were of the tribe of Levi. So now he set these Levites as head of the welfare system of Israel. Now they they were your social security, your welfare office, your Medicare, your Medicaid. They had all those functions except they could not force the offerings of the people. Because they have to give you the power of choice as to whether you're going to give or not. And that by granting that power of choice to the people, the choice remained available in all other things with the people as well. So, and I say in verse 4, he says, And ye shall know that I have sent this commandment unto you, that my covenant might be with the Levi, saith the Lord of hosts. Five, my covenant was with him of life and peace. So his covenant of life and peace was with him. And I gave them to him for the fear wherewith he feared me and was afraid before my name. The law of truth was in his mouth and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and equity and did turn many away from iniquity. So, what's he doing? He's saying that in their mouth, in their, the, the mouth speaks with air passing through the mouth and that pneuma, that breath, is also equated with the Spirit. So the Spirit of God is speaking through them in their actions. The law of truth was in in his mouth and iniquity was not found in his lips. So he's not, you know, what what is that word iniquity? You remember that the, the people who said that they were believers in Christ, he said they they were actually workers of iniquity. And so that word iniquity in the Hebrew, it actually comes in many different, it's ola, uh, is one of the forms, and it means iniquity or wickedness. And uh, it's from a word that uh, actually, which is aval, uh, which means act wrongly or wrongfully or unjustly or deviously. And that's what you do when you institute these systems of forced contributions to redistribute wealth 
by men who exercise authority. You cannot have a free nation and do that. If you want a free nation, you have to have a government that exercises authority over that which you freely give it. You say, well, nobody's going to give. Well, nobody has the habit of giving. If you, you know, that horse, after it walks with those blinders for miles and miles, day after day after day, if you took the blinders off, the horse would become terribly distracted. He'd be jumping all over the place. But he might go down the road, but he would be distracted because he has all this extra input he hasn't been knowing what to do with. And so there's this alteration of the horse's mind when you take the blinders off and he has to readjust. And you don't want that in your system. So anyway, as we get into this verse 6, which is what I put on the, the page itself, I say the law of truth was in his mouth and iniquity was not found in his lips. He walked walked with me in peace and equity and did not and did turn many away from iniquity. Again, that same word iniquity is actually a little bit different. The second appearance of the word in in the text, it has to do with iniquity. It's translated iniquity 220 times, punishment about five times. And it has to do with perversity depravity, guilt, and punishment. So it has to do with those who are already committing iniquities and are now turning away from that iniquity. So it's it's similar word, but it's slightly different. And uh, it actually is a word that uh, avon, avone, because of the fact that it is it is coming from a place where you are already committing the iniquity and now you're turning away. Now, you remember when I said in verse 4 that it talks about my covenant. That's the covenant with the Levites. Remember, the Levites belong to God. The Levites were bond servants. They, uh, they had no private estate, that they were joint heirs, that if one Levite died, that uh, that land, it might go to his son's. But it doesn't go out of the hands of the Levites. A Levite could not sell his land to somebody else. He could sell it to somebody who was also a Levite. And then he's only selling the use of it. But that land was set aside, apart, separate, holy, consecrated. And because it belonged to the Levites who were joint heirs. Most of the people in Israel were not joint heirs except within their families. If a father died, his sons would inherit the land. His children would inherit the value of that to protect his children from destitution. But the Levites were separated out to be this other form of government and so were the apostles called out. That's why they call them the church, the ecclesia. Ecclesia means called out. People say, well, I go to church. Well, what do you mean? You go to the called out? Because that's what church is supposed to mean, is the called out. And, of course, we want you to go to the called out to get your welfare and your benefits. 
it's not automatic. It's not entitlement. It's through faith, hope, and charity. And, and just as we give you choice, we have choice as to who we would redistribute that wealth to. If we're not doing a good job, you don't have to give to us. If the government of the world is not doing a good job, you still have to give to them. Some people are pushing, we need term limits. They think that if they have term limits, this would solve the corruption in government. Well, it might put a little tiny dent in it, but it won't solve the problem because the problem is the people. It, what, what term limits mean is that every four years or every eight years you're going to elect new idiots who are incompetent and not able, but we're still just as corrupt. So term limits is not going to make evil go away. It's just going to shift it a little bit. But you have to change. You have to repent and seek righteousness. You have to create that alternative of choice in order to get your choice back. So in verse 7, it says that for the priest's lips should keep knowledge and they should seek the law at his mouth for he is the messenger of the Lord of hosts. So if Christ said you're not to be like the governments of the Gentiles who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over the other, that sounds to me like you're talking about the government as your benefactor, but it doesn't really give you anything out of its pocket. It only gives you what it takes away from your neighbor. And we're not to be that way. Yet I see no preachers in the modern church, whatever that means, preaching that to any great extent. So, I don't think they kept the words of the Lord in their mouth. They're preaching something completely different. So in verse 8 we see, but ye are departed out of the way. See, that's what they do. I mean, the, the ministers even go to the men who exercise authority to get their benefits, their social security, their welfare. You say, well, no, there's no other alternative. That's the system we have. Well, I agree, but there is alternatives. You just haven't taken the blinders off and walked in that other way. And you have to walk in that other way to learn how that other way moves and travels. You have caused many to stumble because you're not actually preaching the way. You've departed out of the way and so therefore somebody has to go back to the way so I don't collect Social Security. I don't look to Social Security. I have to work because there's not a lot of people <laughs> that are creating that daily administration to help one another. And I don't want to be a burden. So the same as Peter built tents and others, you know, Aquila and Priscilla also built tents and there were probably other industries. You know, I do the same. Before all the people, according as ye have not kept my ways, but have been partial in the law, I always thought that word was interesting. Partial in the law. What does that mean? Well, actually, it, uh, you know, it's translated a lot of different ways. It appears about 650 times in the Bible, but I mean, sometimes it's translated forgive, sometimes carry, sometimes take, sometimes bear. But it, it has to do with that you only do part of the law. 
In other words, it's like the modern church. You They take up a collection to help widows and orphans. But 90% of, you know, when they first started that, it was probably they got a little bit of help from the government. That's what I, you know, when I would dare shows on Australia, social welfare system, we showed that they started out just assisting churches in taking care of unwed mothers. And by the 60s, they were providing a great deal of the care for unwed mothers. And then suddenly they say, and the church cannot withhold aid, its own aid. It cannot withhold its own aid based on moral discrimination. She can be as immoral as she wants. She can be, you know, slutting around, etc. And they would still have to take care of her. Or at least they could not withhold government funds. So they lost the power of choice because they were eating of the table of Caesar, which is actually the fathers of the land, which we go through in great detail. And they will talk about in the next couple of verses in Malachi. These same problems have existed for thousands of years. And we'll talk more about them when we return to Keys of the Kingdom. So welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. And so anyway, on on the page that is the stimulus page, you know, I talk about the fact that there's these solutions. Uh, and, you know, if we want real solutions for a healthy and prosperous world, I say, true cure for what ails us today. It's not the stimulus package is the true cure any more than social distancing and masks are going to cure COVID. It's just not going to do it. It will delay. And with that delay, more people will probably die because more people will be exposed because you delay herd immunity. And now they're admitting that with the new vaccine, you're not going to get herd immunity because you still have to do all the social distancing and the mask wearing and all that stuff. Because they can't, they have no way of knowing whether it gives you any immunity because they didn't do any animal testing. And when they said they tested it on people, they don't really test whether it works or not. Because that would mean that you would have to give the shot to somebody. And then you would have to expose them to the virus to see if they get the virus. And ethically, you can't expose them to the virus on purpose and try to get them sick. But, of course, that's what they've already done by giving you the vaccine. <laughs> but anyway, it's crazy thinking. But this is what comes from living in darkness. They can't see it. And those who are hearing me who can't see it will think, well, like, this guy's talking double talk. No, I'm just repeating what you guys said. You know, it's like, Fauci, masks, you don't need to wear masks. They don't work. It's not going to work in this setting. And then next thing you know, no, you know you do need to wear a mask and you have to wear a mask and you have to wear them all the time. But then he doesn't do it because he doesn't really believe in it. But he's gotten the word that you have to get people to wear the mask because that's how you make that commitment to create that habit of doing what you're told. Of following blindly with blinders on thinking that somehow this will give you protection. You know, that horse wearing blinders, he can't see that freight train coming from the right, he is de- entirely dependent upon the uh, the driver to see that because he's got blinders. He can't see. He just got to go where he's told. But you can't see either. And I don't believe that the guy that's running the show is always has your interest at heart. 
So anyway, the solution, you know, I talk about this in order to have that abundance of peace, then we will need an abundance of truth. And you can go back to Jeremiah 33 and it says, Behold, I will bring it health and cure. And I will cure them and will reveal unto them the abundance of peace and truth. That's what we're sharing with you now is the abundance of peace and truth. And uh, one of those truths is that the real destroyers of liberty is those who spread amongst them gifts, gratuities, and benefits. And we have all kinds of links that will take you to other pages that talk about these different realities and truths that have moved through society for years and years. Uh, one of the things that uh, we see in uh, the operation of this uh, uh, principles of truth and safety and peace and safety is that we're we're set on a track and we cannot get off of that track without some other stimulus coming into our lives because we live in this cause and effect universe. And so my section on peace or safety uh I do mention the fact that some economists and politicians are talking with great concern over the fact that there are certain factors in our economy today that are no longer going to be there for us, uh, but are now being withdrawn from the environment in which we are operating. And first is the Social Security Fund uh, took in more revenue through payroll taxes uh, leveraged on the baby boomers when they were reaching the height of their income. So they were paying a lot of money into Social Security. And those baby boomers are now retiring and not paying money into Social Security. So that's going away. And so uh, they actually, when they word this, they say the Social Security Trust Fund and I have to remind people, I have links on the page. This is how you do study on these pages because we have other articles without putting all this information in there so that you, if you're going to think differently, you're going to have to have all the bricks and mortar in order to create the, a true image of the reality around you. Social Security has never been a trust fund. It's ruled over and over again from the earliest stages of Social Security in the Supreme Court that there is no division of funds. So even though they have guys who are being paid to manage the trust fund, that's part of the illusion. They're not actually a trust fund. They're just managing certain funds to make sure they're spent a certain way within the rules that are laid down by Congress and other bureaucrats as to how to run the system. But there is no separation of funds. If the United States is bankrupt, if it doesn't have enough money to operate with, if it has to borrow money to operate, then Social Security is bankrupt. Nobody's raiding the Social Security fund. That's another media hype terminology. You know, it's like PCR tests are not actually testing for COVID. They're testing for RNA. They don't know where that RNA is from. You try to tell this to even technicians and they say, no, no, this is 
positive test that shows you that you got COVID. No, it doesn't. If you actually take the box that's in your box that's in your hand and read it, it says it doesn't tell you that. <laughs> I mean that's that's easily checked. But when you back them into a corner where you say, just read the dang instructions, oh, they get angry. You know, I'm going to follow the science, they say. You're not following the science. You're following the media. And the media is not telling you the truth. You want to believe that you're following the science, but you're not actually following the science. You're wrong. And see, that's where people get stopped. They don't want to admit they're wrong. Why? Because of what we said about vanity. Vanity keeps you from... This is why humility is so important. I'm not trying to humiliate you by pointing out the fact that you're wrong. What I'm really pointing out is that you're not humble. You're not willing to look at the facts that prove that you're wrong. So the second thing that they also said that was concerning to them. Now, there's all kinds of things that are concerning to me. But these are they, by itemizing these two things out, it's creating blinders because you're not seeing item number 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. You're only seeing 1 and 2. So they say, many of the foreign holders of U.S. debt are investing less in American debt. This lesson... The demand uh, for U.S. currency. And it lessens the desirability of U.S. dollars or purchasing U.S. dollars. I was speaking to somebody else last night that was pointing out the fact that the, you know, the, was at one time they thought the Chinese had so much U.S. dollars in currency that they could just buy America. Well, they must have already done it because they don't have as much currency. This this new round of trillions of dollars being borrowed against the future in these stimulus packages has caused us in the last year to issue 48% more notes into circulation at the same time we are crushing the economy that produced the, made those notes valuable. So what's likely to happen is that the value of those notes will plummet. And with that, they will issue new notes. And they may even go to, so far, they've never done this before in the U.S., they're going to demand that you turn in the old notes. Everything is about power. About them getting more and more power. But the ones who are trying to get this more and more power, you know, the conspirators, the the World Economic Forum and everything... Those guys are useful idiots. I've seen a symposium with them and I'm looking at these people and these are the geniuses? No, these these are the, the pawns that are being manipulated. The real end game is far, far more insidious than you can imagine. And we're just going to beat around the bush with it in the rest of this show. But we're going to add some more stuff in so that you can understand. So, it, on this page, I have the Malachi uh, 6 to whatever it is. Is it 15? Laid out on the page. And I'll probably add more to the page in the next few days as I can <laughs> get the time to do. But, uh, it, I've headlined 
each verse that I did put down in here because each verse is so packed. We talked about, uh, you know, the, where it talks about uh, the the law of his mouth, uh, which is the law of the spirit that operates in him. And it talks about corrupting the covenant of the Levites. And it talks about contemptible. There have I also made you contemptible and base before all the people. Why? Because this is what happened to the Pharisees. They were made contemptible amongst many of the people because of the fact that they they refused to see some truth and therefore they acted upon a lie. And they created more and more problems for the people of Judea. So, because they had been partial in the law. They were not the, you know, they were not practicing pure religion. There's another example. Pure religion is unspotted by those benefactors who exercise authority one over the other. They're unspotted by the world, the constitutional order and system of government. They're taking care of 100% of all the needy of their society through faith, hope, and charity alone. And not using force, fear, or fealty, which is what the world uses. They're partial. In other words, they have a spotted religion. They are not practicing pure religion. And of course, it gets worse and worse and worse. Until the spot becomes a mire and they, the dog has returned to his vomit and the pig to his mire. But verse 10 says something interesting. Have we not all one father? Well, evidently, you do not have one father. You may have a father in heaven who loves you, but he hates the deeds of the Nicolaitan. Because what are the deeds of the Nicolaitan? You go to the fathers of the earth and you say, help us out, give us $2,000, $600, give us this welfare, give us this free education, give us the... You could provide all these things through faith, hope, and charity, but you have to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands and start seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness in a righteous way. So have we not all one father? No, you do not have all one father. Some of you have Caesar and want to have Christ. You want to have the unrighteous mammon and mammon. You want to have the wages of unrighteousness and the wages of Christ. You cannot have them both. Eventually, there is that point of choice. And that's what I'm giving you, is that power of choice. You have a network that you can join and start pursuing this, and the more of you who do it, the more God will run out and meet you halfway. But if you will not do it, then do not expect God to show up. He don't even expect him to hear your voice, because he says, I will not hear you in that day. So you have to be striving to give other people a choice and opportunity to pick the altars of God or the altars of the world or you will not be given the power of choice either and you will be forced to go down the path that your unrighteous masters send you. So you do not have one father. You should have one father, but you have to turn away from the unrighteous mammon and turn towards the righteous mammon. Not enough just to turn away from one. You have to pursue the other. That's why he says, seek the kingdom of God and the righteousness of God. In other words, seek to do these 
services of society through faith, hope, and charity rather than for spirit and fealty. Hath not one God created us? Well, many of you have been recreated in another image. Why do we deal treacherously every man against his brother? Why are you biting one another through the system of government that exercises authority one over the other? By profaning the covenant of our fathers, which did it all through faith, hope, and charity. And the early church did it all through faith, hope, and charity. They wouldn't even sign up for one buckle from the systems of the world. So, verse 11, Judah hath dealt treacherously, and an abomination is committed in Israel. Israel is the place where God prevails. It's not a geographical location. It's a place of the heart. It's within you. And in Jerusalem, where's Jerusalem? Double peace. Jerusalem. Double peace. Jerusalem is the capital of Israel. Israel's not a place. It's a state of being. And Jerusalem is the double peace that must be in you when you believe in Jesus in heart and mind, in word and deed. That's the double peace. The double top. That you not only say you have faith, but you have put that faith into action. You have become a doer of the word. Not that your doing saves you, but your doing creates Jerusalem. Just saying, Lord, Lord, is not enough. You have to be a doer of the word. That's what Christ said. That's out of his mouth. Not creating new doctrine. I'm going back to the original doctrine, to the original bride of Christ and what it was doing. For Judah hath profaned the holiness, the separateness of the Lord, which he loved, and hath married the daughter of a strange God. In other words, you did sit down at the temples of the men who exercise authority and make agreements to get benefits, free education, free welfare, free take care of my parents, free vaccinations. (laughs) Uh, So we see a pattern developing here. And this is the abomination. Is that you try to worship the unrighteous mammon and the righteous mammon. It's got to be either or. You can't just one day a week help out the widows and orphans. That might be a nice start, but that is not where we are going. In order to be able to help out the widows and orphans in righteousness, you have to sit down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands as Christ commanded. If you can't see that Christ commanded that, I mean, you can go read the article, and if you still can't see it, then you have need of repentance. You need to start becoming a doer of the word, and more will be revealed. More scales will come off. More blinders will be moved back. You know, some of those blinders of the horses are huge. So, verse 12, the Lord will cut off the man that doeth this, the master and the scholar, out of the tabernacle of Jacob, and him that offereth an offering unto the Lord of hosts. So, you can be the really nicest guy, and you can give all kinds of gifts, but if you divide and do not practice pure religion, the Lord will cut you off. He goes on in verse 13, And this have ye done again. And guess what, folks? That's Malachi. You've done it again, too. 
And this have ye done again, covering the altar of the Lord with the tears, with weeping, and with crying out, insomuch that he regardeth not the offering anymore. Your, your, your blood offerings mean nothing. Because you've divided your religion, the way in which you take care of the needy of society. That's what religion is. It's the pious performance of your duty to God and your fellow man. You're supposed to do it by faith, hope, and charity alone, but you've divided it and do some of it by force and some of it by charity. And that is the problem. Well, the, the problem is compounded by the fact that you do most of it by force and very little of it by charity. But that's what repentance is all about, to go back and try to seek righteousness. Righteousness is not doing good most of the time. It's doing good all the time. If you're not doing good all the time, then it's not righteousness. Now, I admit that we're to seek righteousness. You may not find it, but you cannot excuse unrighteousness. We are strive to be perfect. That is the goal. So the altars, the church is an altar. The ecclesia is a gathering of stones put together, not by chisel, not by mortar, not by contract, but by love for one another and love for God, according to the ways that Christ gave us. They, you become lively stones of a living altar in the tens, hundreds, and thousands, creating a daily ministration that eventually, eventual goal is pure religion. Number 14. Yet ye say, Wherefore? Because the Lord hath been a witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, that's the bride of Christ, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, because you've created a, a modern church that does not speak the words of God, but have watered down the gospel of God, yet is she thy companion and the wife of thy covenant. So it's, it's kind of like the republic. The republic's still here, but nobody's in it. They've all gone over to the democracy. The church is still here, but you've all gone over to the the strange wife, the the daughter of a strange God, who exercises authority one over the other. So now you know what to get rid of and what to seek. Seek a system of righteous ministration to the widows and orphans and needy of your society through faith, hope, and charity. And start moving away from the one that uses force, fear, and fealty. Number 15. And did not he make one? Which is a question. Yet had he the residue of the Spirit. And what for one that he might seek a godly seed and therefore take heed to your spirit and let none deal treacherously against the wife of his youth. So what he's talking about is the protection of the true church established by Christ, which is the wife of the youth. It is the it is the bridegroom and uh, the bride 
Christ and his church called out who were doing the entire social network and uh, welfare system of the early Christians was through this church, this lively stones of a church. And uh, that's that's our goal. And anything short of that is like jumping halfway across a canyon. And we need to repent of that. And now we know the direction. And in verse 16 it says, For the Lord, the God of Israel, Israel not a place, it's a state, in, uh, in the mind and heart of the man, saith that he ha- hateth putting away. For one covereth violence with his garment, saith the Lord of hosts. Therefore take heed to your spirit that ye deal not treacherously. Well, that that has many layers to the meaning. I don't want to do away with all your Baptists and Presbyterians and Methodists and Assembly of Gods. I want you to turn around your thinking and realize that the world is stimulating you to seek a system of unrighteousness. A system where you may have ear ticklers posing as ministers of Christ, allowing you to continue in the unrighteous ways, the unrighteous mammon, and not seek the righteousness of God. That's what we're supposed to be doing, seeking the kingdom of God, the dominion of God, and his righteousness by sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and hundreds and thousands and practicing pure religion rather than the covetous practices of the world. Till then, peace on your house and may God be with you. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.